Hey guys, random bonus episode here. After we finished the UNESCO episode that Nicole just did, we just could not stop talking <laughs> after the credits. Uh, so we decided to just break it off and and make like a little miniature bonus episode out of it. Uh, and at the end, we we do point out that we are going to have a much more newer a much more nuanced conversation about this topic in the future, which now we are very excited about. Uh, so keep that in mind. But uh, without further ado, yeah, enjoy this little rant that we couldn't stop <laughs> from happening. Didn't you even say you had stuff you could put at the very end? Like, Oh, yeah, I had more, oh, just in no. case. I was going to talk about the American model of conservation, but that's a whole can Oh, of no. <laughs> okay, but can we please? Let's go. I'm ready. Maybe some other day. Maybe uh, some other day. Okay. I will say, so I, I opened up this uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Let's see how many pages it is before I... This is probably... A little bit of an ironic thing to take a big dump on. I think we can talk about it, hopefully, in a respectful manner and point out some of the ways in which it can improve. Even this uh, PDF that I found that is 60 pages long from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service talks about ways it can improve. So, like, people understand that it needs improvement. And that gives me a little bit of hope. But anyways, I searched within this document... I searched for the word ecotourism. It was mentioned twice because we've already talked about how ecotourism can be extremely beneficial. Yeah. And it can be extremely harmful. So it's a really it important thing to look at. <laughs> yes. It's it's important to make sure that's done correctly. Yeah. Um, but then the word hunt, aka, so like hunter and hunting, is mentioned 145 times. Well, that's because that is the North American model of conservation. So I, I, I want to say, in case this makes it into the show credits, which I don't think it will, but I do yeah. want to say that the reason I have very strong opinions about it that are somewhat on the negative is, be, is, is purely because I have a degree in wildlife management and ecology that I got from Kansas mm -hmm. State University. And as a part of that, that coursework and um, – you know, being selected as like a top performing student that they sent me to like a conservation Nerd. leaders for tomorrow. I was one of those people that broke curves and everybody hated me. I <laughs> probably would have hated myself if there was another me in my classes too. So I get it. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I experienced uh, wildlife conservation in a way that was very much propaganda um, yeah. they, they saw me as a student who did not have a hunting background because my interest in conservation was mostly academic and like research mm -hmm. and fieldwork related. Uh, so m they took that academic interest and they were like, well, here's, here's the true way that conservation works. And in order to understand it, you have to go to a hunting workshop. You have to be like, go out on a hunt. You have to spend four days of your life learning about hunting and angling and, like, consumptive uses of wildlife. And a lot of my my classwork, too, was very propaganda indoctrination feeling. Like, I just felt that way purely yeah. about um, this model of conservation and the way that hunting and angling has inspired people would, or, mm -hmm. or has led to conservation of wildlife. Which is true. And as an undergrad, I was like, 
wow, I had no idea. I literally never learned any of this because I'm not from an outdoors background. And then having graduated with that information and that propaganda and then gotten into the education side of things and like working side by side with the state and with people that implement Mm -hmm. this model, I began to see through that propaganda and understand that it truly was just pure propaganda to to uphold this system that maybe isn't working for everybody. And that seems, in my opinion, to only exist as like a self-perpetuating loop of creating sportsmen and sportswomen, people who engage in these like three or four sports specifically. So it's Mm -hmm. not even about wildlife or conservation. It's about creating habitats that supply the things you shoot at for these sports or supply the fish that you catch for these sports. And that to me Mm -hmm. is not conservation, even if it was a a really great model for conserving those things. You know, like we spend so much of our resources on putting fish that aren't native, but they're fun to catch. And they're like maybe hybrids that are really fun and sporty. And we, we just spend all of our resources dumping them into our waterways and creating waterways to put them in for sports people. Mm-hmm. And half the fish just die because they can't survive our winters. Like. Yeah, and it's like such a waste. And how often have you and I, Nicole, gone out to mm-hmm. wildlife areas thinking that it was going to be like a really cool like ecosystem that we we're going to experience mm-hmm. and then realizing it was just managed for turkey and deer hunters? Yeah. Like, it literally is just habitat that's there for turkey and deer so that hunters can use the landscape. And so I I have become extremely jaded for these reasons. And that's why I just spent the last, like, 20 minutes talking about how much I hate it and my terrible experience with how the system works. Um, But there's there's no provisions currently in the North American model. They they pay lip service to other forms of use of wildlife. Um, But for all the talk even in my coursework, about how the North American model of wildlife conservation works because it views wildlife as a natural resource that is and needs to be protected for the general public. I love Mm. that premise. That is such a good premise. And it is different than some conservation models. And that is a good thing. But in practice, what this model has done is really only made this resource available and protected for people who use it in a consumptive manner, as in taking wildlife from the wild by trapping, hunting, shooting, fishing, that sort of thing. And so it's not really currently even being protected for the public as a resource the public is entitled to for generations to come. Like, we need to be protecting our resources for generations in the future. And I don't understand why so many of the people who praise the North American model of wildlife conservation, which has that premise, so many of them do not find value in protecting those resources outside of hunting and angling. Yeah. And that's the, the real travesty of this model of conservation. Yeah, Absolutely. And I knew you were going to get fired up about it. And that's why I was like, hmm, this is a nice time buffer if I need it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was such a good rant, though. And it, and not even a rant. That was a beautiful I, – I, I can't call it a rant because it was just like you took it apart piece by piece and talked about its shortcomings. Like, that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. I spend way more time than I should thinking about this. Uh, yeah. It doesn't help that that I have worked in environments, even like within mm-hmm. the last year, where we literally could not, or we in theory were not allowed to talk about conservation if we mm-hmm. didn't mention how great hunting is hunting. for conservation. Yeah. Yep. Which is gross. There's so m- you're by making it all about hunting and consumptive use 
you're alienating the majority of the American public. And yeah. it's not that hunting is inherently bad. No, I support hunting. I wish I could go yeah. hunting, but I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I watch the birds and I'm allergic to mammal meat now. So like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like hunting and fishing is not bad. It's just when you make it that all of your money to conserve wildlife comes from hunting and fishing and hunting and fishing has been declining in popularity for dozens of years now. Yeah. Like it, of course you're going to fail and of course you're going to struggle. Yeah. And now everyone like this, um, this PDF that I found, um, it was made in 2012. Yeah, it was made in 2012. And they were already talking about, like, they were referencing then 10-year-old documents talking about how hunting is slowly falling in favor. Yeah. So, like, this isn't something new. And yet, all we're doing is still trying to get more hunters and fishers. And then they're surprised and that doesn't work and they don't have any money and they can't do the things that they want to do. It, it is kind of insane to me that, number one, all, all of this talk about, like, how this is a successful model. We just need more hunters and anglers and stuff. And, like, this is how we get our resources. Like, it's by design. Like, we've designed the system yeah. to work this way. So we can design it a different way. And I, mm. you know, going back to what we we just talked about with um, the biosphere reserves and UNESCO uh, priorities and stuff, I do fully relate to and empathize with the feeling that this, like, cultural traditional heritage of mm-hmm. of outdoor sports in the united states specifically is is a concern mm-hmm. it is a concern it is and it's a valid concern that i empathize with that this cultural heritage might be lost and that people are interested in it and that maybe these sports should be preserved in some way that's great that's wonderful my the, the issue i have is that preserving these sports and the culture of this traditional sports atmosphere is mm-hmm. being masqueraded as wildlife conservation and the primary way by which we conserve wildlife in this country on the state level. Yeah. That's the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is a national program. And then it's just also implemented at the state. Yeah, because states in the United States, for anybody listening who's not in the United States, um, the, the federal government manages like endangered endangered species and migratory mm-hmm. birds because we have international treaties about migratory birds and then the states are responsible for like uh game animals so maybe birds that you can uh hunt so game birds and then mammals other things in the state that don't really like migrate and are pretty bound by the political borders of the state those are managed by the state departments mm-hmm. and so those are the things like the states on that level are are managing those are three programs and stuff on the ground for a lot of wildlife, mm-hmm. even though it's a national yeah. effort. Yeah. So just a little like explanation there. My wildlife <laughs> management degree is uh, coming oh, into play. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh gosh. I just yeah. liked to go to the ornithology classes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, fair. Okay. So a question for you. I feel like this is really good. Should we keep it in here or should we just keep talking for a little bit and make it its own episode? <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking maybe maybe we should knock this off and like make it a little bonus episode because our after credits rant became uh-huh. like a whole expose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um cuz I think if if we wanted to talk about it in more detail like for a mm-hmm. full episode, I would want to do a little bit more research. More research. Yeah. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, and and I think one of my concerns for like a broader episode is that I really 
have not looked at other models of conservation, of wildlife conservation, yeah. um, specifically mm-hmm. wildlife conservation. So I I know what my classwork taught me yeah. about other modes of conservation. I have heard state biologists talk about other countries' conservation in a really disparaging way because yes. they don't use hunting. But, you know, mm-hmm. not taking into consideration the fact that, for example, Africa, which is one uh, place that I have seen people criticize in the United mm-hmm. States, you know, as like, that uh, they don't allow hunting and it's like a bad model of conservation. Well, they have a completely different history of hunting and wildlife conservation in those countries. And, yeah. you know, for about 40 years after American Wildlife Conservation Acts went into effect, all of the rich white hunters in America we're like, well, shit, we can't shoot everything we want to. So we're going to go spend our money to go shoot things in Africa and make a really big effort to stop wildlife conservation efforts in Africa and exploit those resources mm-hmm. because we can't do it in our own country now. And so they have a, a very complex history with hunting and with this North American yeah. model that they saw being enacted you know, in an unhealthy and not actually conservation sort of based way. That yeah. That's not comparable to what we have in the United States. And so for them, you know, they, they have this very different relationship with how hunting plays into conservation. And they have a lot of animals that are pretty threatened. And so the, yes. the models that work for us are not going to work over there. And there's never a nuanced conversation about this stuff. You know, it's always like, well, here's why, from my perspective and from my background in wildlife conservation and being surrounded by people in the wildlife conservation field, um, it too often is just us trying to make America sound like it's really good at conservation because we allow hunting. And I don't see that to be the truth. I, I don't, I'm not saying American conservation all around sucks at all. It's definitely a nuanced conversation, mm-hmm. but we we can't have those those types of conversations it has to be more nuanced um the other the other one i hear all the time and this is not referencing any like recent podcasts or anything it's something that i literally have heard since i became an undergrad at k-state right um is Mm -hmm. uh comparing european conservation with american conservation as well uh Mm -hmm. and they always say stuff like you know the it's the queen's the queen's wildlife and the queen's fox and the queen's whatever other wildlife that they have. And I think that's an interesting comparison because, you know, we started off as English colonies and Spanish colonies and French colonies here in North America. So when colonizers came here and implemented something different, that's an interesting comparison. But it's also very unnuanced and I've never heard a nuanced discussion about European conservation. And I seriously doubt that conservation looks the same in England as it does in Spain, for example. And I don't even know what that conservation looks like because every single time I've had this conversation with people in our field, it's it's very reductive and it's very reduced to the queen owns everything in the country. And mm-hmm. in America, the people own everything. And I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. that, could, that could be completely false. Um, yeah, absolutely. And personally, I would argue that, you know, in, in North America, it really feels like the hunters own the wildlife right now in some parts yes. of the country. So, um, yeah, if you're not a consumptive user, you don't have a voice in conservation. Exactly. Yeah, your your voice is stripped from the conversation from the get go. Yeah, like, um, yeah. didn't you recently attend a commission meeting I where did. the person who was running the meeting 
was completely disparaging and condescending to every single person who voiced a concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would just say, you know, well, that's interesting. I don't really agree with you, but thanks. It's like, no, that's not... If you yeah. are going to have a commission meeting where people... You're specifically setting aside time for people to have their voices heard, you can't immediately shut them down. Like. Yeah. It, it does feel like it's being done not for the productivity and the conversation, mm-hmm. but because it's like a legal requirement they have to check off. Yes. Um, yeah. be- because they're not interested. And I, I'm saying that – I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying that it appears that way when that's stuff what like it this happens. Like. Yeah, it, yeah. That's the the appearance they give off sometimes when there's people like this in a role um, being quite disparaging um, – that they're they're not actually interested in in catering to any different demographics mm-hmm. of the population that theoretically has an equal stake in the wildlife that they're working to protect. Mm-hmm. And if that's not what they're trying, if that's not the face that they want to put out, then they need to do some thinking and they need to change because yeah, it doesn't matter what they meant to say; it's how it's perceived. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's easy to forget sometimes when when you're the person mm-hmm. uh, in the role being criticized. I, I think yeah. sometimes it's hard to look at, at what you're doing and see that it's not coming across in a way that affects people. Or maybe maybe there's a sense, too, that, you know, never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I know what anybody is thinking in those roles, but I'm just trying to acknowledge yeah. that it, it can be hard to look at yourself – Absolutely. And see the way that you're coming across to people. And so I understand that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why it's important, I think, to to listen to other voices, to try and catch things like that. And have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And have an actual conversation, not just, you know, allowing people to speak so that you cross it off of your obligations. <laughs> yes. And this is certainly not something that just Kansas struggles with. I'm sure oh, the God, other no. places struggle with it, too. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and I, <laughs> I think it's pretty common in a, in a lot of states. Um, but yeah. it's also true that different states have different ways of doing their conservation work. Like uh, we were just talking Absolutely. about how Missouri, they have just a statewide uh-huh. tax generally, like a sales tax or something, right, for conservation? I'm not entirely sure how it works, but yeah, just in general, Missouri has got their act together and they have a very successful state program as far as conservation goes. Yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. Um I don't, yeah, whether it's a state tax or an income tax, it's some kind of just general tax, like, which you would then contrast with a place like Kansas, where all of our state department's money comes from uh, hunting licenses, the sales of bullets and guns, and uh, Mm -hmm. so all all types of ammo and bows and things like that. All of those things are taxed. um, And again, that's by by design. I think there's been pushes in the past to add mm-hmm. things like bird seed and binoculars and stuff to that list. And and there's a general sense from the community of people who um, already support wildlife conservation by their dollars. Like, it's a sense of pride for people, which I totally understand. Yeah. And they don't want to be, you know, removed from that sense of, like, I don't know, having such a big contribution by having it watered down by other contributions. But at the same time, like, shouldn't we ultimately mm-hmm. just want conservation to happen? Like, <laughs> we, yeah. we, we can, like... If you're if if you don't want the the bird watchers to be in on it, like at least get the money from somewhere else. Like I yeah. I don't understand. Like just let people <laughs> pay money. People are saying mm-hmm. we want taxes on things to help conserve wildlife. Like why not let that happen? I don't know, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know what we should do, Nicole? Yes. 
maybe we should release this little like after credits conversation diatribe diatribe <laughs> i almost used that exact word yes um as like a bonus episode and then mm-hmm. here at the end like i think we should get because we know so many people who who work directly mm-hmm. in wildlife biology in our state um yeah even for the feds like not even just for the state Department of Wildlife. I'm just saying, like, we know so many people in the conservation field and in the wildlife field yeah. here in the state. Maybe we should have, like, a conversation with some guests on this yeah. podcast where we kind of dive into this more deeply and hear from those other voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk a big game, but we got to follow through. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that would be cool to do. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. Let's let's end the let, – maybe we'll end the conversation here and uh, we'll just tell you listeners who are still tuning into this <laughs> – <laughs> that um, we, we'd really like to have a, a conversation with people who have different perspectives on this. And I would like to do some more research on other models of conservation so that we can have a better conversation that's more informed mm-hmm. on like pros and cons of different models of wildlife conservation. Or or we can get people that are already pros at that and get them on here too. Yes, both. <laughs> I just don't want to have a conversation with people when I can't provide more nuanced yeah, perspectives yeah. on things that aren't North America. For sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. You know what's interesting too is that we call it the North American model for wildlife conservation, but I don't know whether and how Canada and Mexico do things differently from the United States. I think it's just Canada. I don't think Mexico is in on the North American conservation model of conservation. Like even in this technical review that i've been referencing it does not mention mexico really that is interesting (laughs) it says canada and the united states so it is not implemented in mexico oh status of wildlife management in mexico page 35 mexico contains approximately 10 percent of the world's plant and animal species making it the third most important country in relation to biodiversity you're kidding Wildlife management and conservation practices in Mexico are currently dynamic and evolving. Managers are engaged in maintaining viable populations and habitat for an array of wildlife. These actions are critical for management of megadiversity and the important habitats that Mexico has for migrating North American wildlife. In addition, the number of wildlife professionals, professors of wildlife, university programs in wildlife, and graduate students studying wildlife are increasing in Mexico. Good job, um, Mexico. Hey, yeah. okay, cool. That's very interesting. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun to talk about with regards to the North American model for wildlife conservation because North America doesn't even like uniformly subscribe to it. <laughs> and Mexico <laughs> could be doing things a heck of a lot better than us. Mm-hmm. Could be. I, I'm not educated enough to make any statements. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But the possibility excites me. It goes on in this particular article to talk about how... Land ownership in Mexico is very um, complicated, huh. and there is a quote minimal ownership and lack of incentives for conservation practices. So wildlife is not considered an economically viable resource. Hmm. Um. How did you describe it? The the first one of the first things you said in that sentence. Minimal ownership and lack of incentives. Yeah. What does minimal ownership mean? The private land ownership is minimal or like that willing engagement in conservation practices by private ownership is minimal? Like, what does that mean? Um, So the land in in Mexico, according to this document, is dominated by communal land holdings. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the individual private ownership of land is pretty minimal is what that means. 
I'm not sure. Okay. Interesting. I'm assuming. Ooh, this is fun. Okay, let's phone up our friends <laughs> uh, who can provide different perspectives on these things. I would love mm-hmm. to get a prairie restorationist like habitat management perspective too i think that that would be a cool perspective i want to get a wildlife person who really loves the way the north american model works in on the conversation Mm -hmm. i know we have several friends um who would probably love to talk about that and i would love to do some research let's like pick a couple of places and uh really try to figure out how their their wildlife conservation is implemented okay yeah yeah let's do it let's do it so thank you everyone for listening to this quick little bonus episode we will hopefully have a much more nuanced conversation about the american model of conservation in the future and we'll make sure to try to include as many different voices as possible in this conversation so join us next time and we'll see you soon